Okay, Hayyam Yamnishim Bashabbos. Today is Sunday. Dalad Iyash. I heard once by Yid that the uh, Rebbe once started a Sikha. The occasion at this juncture is not important. The Rebbe once started a Sikha with the following words which means in English I love to creep into narrow crevices which is another way of saying I like to get myself into trouble well I'm not the Rebbe but the topic that I chose for tonight is probably the worst <laughs> that anybody could choose <laughs> because it opens up a can of worms literally I mean or whatever a can of demons but uh, that's exactly why I'm teaching it to you. Um, we'll see what happens. Over the course, if you look through the 13 pages you have in front of you, almost all of them, without exception, are Kabbalah. Um, or Vesach, very Kabbalah disposed. Der Amban is Kabbalah. I mean, the, the, even the Pchumish is mostly Kabbalah. But let's first set the stage. This week, of course, we read Achrim Esik and Kedoshim. Two pashas together, or it's one large pasha. Achimais begins with the pasha of Yom Kippur, and it finishes with the pasha of Aroyas, the immorality, inappropriate relationships. And that's most of the pasha. 80%, 90% of the pasha is the first part of the pasha is Yom Kippur, which on Yom Kippur we read in the morning. And the other part of the Pasha is the Pasha of Arayis, which is what we read on Yom Kippur in the afternoon. In between is a short Pasha that speaks about illicit bringing of Karbonus, abuse of Karbonus. Uh, first it speaks about what's called Shechut shechting your Karbon appropriately. Then it speaks about Halachut, uh, if you offer up a Karbon in the wrong place. It also speaks about not eating blood. And that's pretty much it. Maybe there's also a mention of Pigel. But the most of the Pasha is Pasha's Kedoshim, the second part of the Pasha, is also quite long. Actually, it's pretty, it's one of the shorter Pashas. But it's a chock full of mitzvahs. It's packed with mitzvahs. And um, the first part of the Pasha talks about a variety of different things, uh, all kinds of different halachas. And the second part of the Pasha repeats again all of the halachas of Arayas, the second time. Everything you read, Pasha's Achri, you read, uh, you know, not word for word, but quite similar again in Pasha's Kedosh. The reason why two successive Pashas, two Pashas in a row speak about the same Malachas is because there's a klal in Shas that there's something called Azhara and there's something called Oynish which means any time there is an Aved which there's a punishment, a severe punishment a punishment of death, you have to have it two times, first you have to be told not to do it and then you have to be told if you do it this is going to be the punishment so Pashas Kedoshim in a way repeats what says already in Pashas Achrei because Pashas Achrei is the Azharis about immorality, about Gilead and in Pashas Achrei you have the Einshim as it's called of um, Gilead this is, whatever it's worth a very concise summary of these two Pashas, Pashas Achrei Meis and um, Kedoshim one of the things that we mentioned in Pashas Achrei as I told you before we start off with Yom Kippur we finish with Gilead Arayas, 
in the middle of a short little parsha that talks about what's called shchutei chutz, halas chutz, edam. In between the two parshas about Yom Kippur and about Arayi, you have a small little parsha. We are going to learn inside from Pasuk Aleph until Pasuk Tes. Okay, and the reason I'm doing this is because I want to share with you uh, a bit of a repetition and different opinions about it. So on page one, let's start from the beginning. Hashem tells Meshach Rabbeinu Leimah that he should repeat. We wonder to who? Because the next words say, David al-Aaron, speak to Aaron. Vel bonavan to his sons. Vel kol b'nei to the rest of the Jewish people. V'amart aleim, and you should tell them. Right? So the v'amart aleim, you could say, means future generations. But the leimer is l'chayda extra, but okay, we'll make believe we didn't notice. This is what the Ebrisha commanded. You should repeat. So how many words mean to speak? Five words are used in Tupsukim to connote communication. And the prophet continues. Ish, ish. Any yid from the house of Israel. Who will shecht. An ox or a lamb or a goat. In the camp. Or he'll shecht it outside of the camp. He's not going to bring it to the base of Mikdash. To bring an offering to the Abish in front of the tabernacle, the sanctuary of God. Who it's considered as if he's a murderer. Dom Shafach as if he has spilled the blood of a person because he's abused the carbon. And therefore, V'nichras that man is to be cut off. Cut us. Why? Laman, the reason is, is Asha Yaviyu B'nei Yisrael Zivchayim. That the Jewish, the sons of Israel, should bring their offerings. Asha Him Zevchem Apnei Asa, that they're offering on the face of the field. V'aviyam Adeshem, they should bring him to God Almighty, Al Pesachay Almeir, to the entrance of the, of the tent of meeting, El Akayim, to the priest. V'zavchu, and they should make their offerings into Zivchay Shlomim La'avayim. Offerings of Shlomim. Shlomim means peace. Where there's a peace for the Abishter, there's a peace for the Koyin, and the peace for the Bailim, Oysam out of them. And the Zara Kakein Asadom, Al Mizbach Avaya, the King Koyin, the priest, will offer up this blood on the, the altar of God. Pesach Almighty, the entrance to the base of Mikdash, Vehikter Hachelev, and he will additionally offer up the fat, Lech Nechech Hashem, as an offering for pleasure to the Abishter by bringing it in the base of Mikdash. And then he adds, They should no longer slaughter their carbonus. The translation of the word se'idim means goats. They shouldn't offer up their carbonus to goats. But Rashi says, and all the Mephashim seem to imply, se'idim means to demons, to the spirits. That they're going astray to follow them. This is a law which is for always. They should be for them and for all generations. A yid has to bring his animals to the base of Mikdash. Otherwise, it's Isar Kodis, and he's bringing a carbon to Shaden. What did it say in Pasuk Ches? You should tell them, and he repeats the same thing over again. Any man of the house of Israel. As well as the converts who will join with them. And I believe some of the Mephashim hold that the word gate over here means a geretesha, of a guy who's bringing carbonus. Who's going to bring a carbon? 
Val Pesach Ayomayed Layeviyedu is not going to bring it to the base Amikdash. Last says Eisel Hashem to do it to God. Venirchras Haisha Humayam of this man should be cut off. So if you look at Sukim Aleph until Zion, and then Pasik Ches until Tes, it seems to be saying the same thing twice. Pasik Aleph Zion says you bring an animal outside the base Amikdash is Chiyav Kares. And Pasik Tes says if you bring an animal outside the base Amikdash, it's a Chiyav Kares. Why is it repeated twice? So Rashi says, because there's two different Avedis. One Aveda is to shecht it outside the base Hamikdash. And another Aveda is to burn it on a Mizbeach other than the Mizbeach in the base Hamikdash. So Psukim Aleph to Zion are saying what's called Heshchute Chutz. You're not allowed to shecht Karbonis outside the base Hamikdash. And Pasik Chasantes is what we would call Halas Chutz. That if, even if you shecht it in the base Hamikdash, you cannot take the Emirim, as it's called, the limbs that are destined to be consumed by the Mizbeach, and offer them up on what's called the Bomo or any other kind of base Hamikdash, any other kind of Mizbeach, out of the base Hamikdash, and it's a separate Isakaris. Are we clear? We clear? Nine Psukim that describe the same lav, same Isakaris, twice. The, the Pashtistic understanding of these two, as Rashi says, and they, I, I think this is also how the halacha would go. The first seven psukim are telling you, do not shecht a card out of the base of Mikdash. And the last two psukim are saying, do not offer up the remains of a carbon out of the base of Mikdash. Are we clear? If this pshat holds true, then this entire pasha, these nine psukim, are talking only about karbanas. A person brings a carbon, he has to bring it in the base of Mikdash. And this requirement to bring a carbon in the base of Mikdash is an Isikaris. If you don't bring it in the base of Mikdash, it's a chasham being cut off. And there's two parts to the Isikaris. Number one, for shechting it outside, and number two, for offering it up outside. Does anybody have any questions or comments on what I said so far? Okay, if you have no questions, you have no comments, here goes. There's another whole pshat, which seems to be the pshat that the Rambam brings. I don't know if he brings it in Hilchas. He says, Nyad HaZokar, he brings it in Made in Nebuchim. And a lot of the Mephashim, or some of the Mephashim bring it. It's a Mechleg, the Gemara in Chulin and the Mechilte. Okay, the first pshat I told you is the Mechilte, which is what Rashi brings. And the Gemara in Chulin is a different pshat. There's a fascinating phenomenon which people don't know so much. And that was that in the Midbar you were not allowed to eat meat. The 40 years that the Jews were in the Midbar you were not allowed to eat meat. Unless it was a carbon. So if you lived in the Midbar, right? We all read about the Maisa with Slav, everybody wanted to have meat and so on and so forth. The fact was, any species of animal which could have been a carbon, you had to make it into a carbon. You wanted to eat beef, you wanted to eat lamb, it had walk to the Mishkan, which was walking distance, the whole machina was your base mill, and bring a carbon. But you couldn't stamazoi eat meat in your private home. It was not allowed. Once Yidin went into Sisro, you had the same passion, Pasha Sri and Dvarim, the Abishtab was mate to Yidin what is called Psar Taiva. Besar taiva means meat which is eat for pleasure, for temptation. Okay? You got it? I'll say it again. 
there's another way of learning these two halachas, these two parshas, because in the times that the Yidin were in the Midbar, Yidin were not allowed to eat meat in the Midbar, except if it was a Karm. Any Jew who wanted to eat meat from a, a cow or an ox or a goat or a lamb had to bring it as a carbon. And Stamazay to sit in your living room in your tent in Machane Don, three million from the Beis Hamikdash, wherever it was, was Asr. Anytime you wanted to eat meat, you had to walk to the Beis Hamikdash, make it into a carbon, give the Abish his portion, which was the blood and the fat, and the rest you were able to keep to yourself, and you had to eat it, as all the halachas of a carbon were. You with me? Parenthesis. There is a weird exception to this rule. A very weird, a very weird exception to this rule. The weird exception to this rule was that there was a way to eat meat and not make it into a carbon even in the midbar. What was that? If you didn't shech the animal, if you kill the animal through suffocation. In the midbar, you were not allowed to eat meat, which was called psar taiva, meat which you were eating for pleasure. Anytime a person wanted to eat meat, it had to be made into a korban. If he shechted an animal in his backyard or in his front porch or in his tent, in the midbar, it was is a kodesh. The only way a Jew could eat meat in the midbar and not make it into a korban was to kill it by suffocating it. Now every child knows that nechide is our citizen nevela. Right? If you choke an animal to death, it's treif, can't eat it. But in the midbar, Nechira was mutter. And they had to do it only by, by the Mishkar? Only in the midbar. And by the Mishkar? No, no, no. If they did Nechira, it didn't have to be. Hastis, in the midbar, if you wanted to eat meat and not make it into a carbon, you couldn't shecht it. There was no shechita. You couldn't, you couldn't raise that animal up. There was no shechita. You suffocate. The animal remained an animal even after you ate it. It didn't become elevated. If you wanted to shecht an animal, zvicha, that every time you shecht an animal, you're raising it up from the level of chay to the level of medaber. It had to be a carbon. If a person shechted an animal in his backyard, there was a isekores in the midbar. When Yidin went there to Israel, two things changed. Number one, the Chira was Nesar. They outlawed, the Ebishter outlawed choking. You couldn't kill an animal to choking it. And number two, the Ebishter was Matib Sad Taiva. That means to say you could shecht an animal in Yehuda, in Golil, in Evrayardin, and that was legitimate. That was fine. It didn't have to necessarily be in the Beis HaMikdash. Okay? Now, o- only as a carbon. Only as a carbon. Which meant there had to be a Tamim. You had to be tahir. And most importantly, it had to be eaten the Shnei Yambal Echad. You shech the cow, you want to last for a winter. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the middle, you shech the cow, you had to invite the whole neighborhood. You had two you had a day and a half to eat it. You had two days and a night. So in other words, the idea of stacking your freezer with meat was not Shayach in the middle. Unless you didn't do Shechitah. In the Chida, it was Mutter. So some, the Gemara Masech Techulun, and the Rambam is in the Merdevuch and for sure holds that that's the difference between the two parshes. The first seven psukim, which say, if you look at page one, Dabar al-Aden, Valbonah, Valkobnei, Yesov, Amata, Aleyem, 
Ish ish mi basis all asha yishcha shayde ketav eiz ba machane. He's chayev lisa. This doesn't mean asha yishcha shayde ketav eiz of a carbon, like Rashi says. What does Rashi say? The first word of Rashi on page one. Bimugdashen akasav medabit. Right? The first page, page one. Bimugdashen akasav medabit. According to this Gemara, it's not talking about Mugdashim. It's talking stama that you want to eat meat in the midbar has to be a carbon. If you shecht an arm on the midbar, you don't make it into a carbon, it's, it's a kardim. Then, Pasuk, Ches, and Tes are saying, Valeyam Teimar, page 2 and 3 now, Ish, Ish, Mebe, Yisrael, Ashayala, Oila, Yisrael, Chopesal, Yisrael, 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 that the first seven psukim are talking about what's called basar taiva bamidbar. You are not allowed to eat meat for pleasure in the desert to serve yourself unless you made it into a carbon. And pasuk ches and tes are talking about a carbon. So you have two basic emphasis on the word basic ways of interpreting these two passages. And by the way, beginning with Pasuk Yud, he starts talking about uh, Dam. This is a Dam. The fourth is a, is a blood. Which is, uh, a lot of the Mepharshim connect these things. It's a Gansa Shturim. There's a very involved Abarbanel, which I didn't put into the stack of the people. I should have wasted the paper. We weren't going to get to it anyway. Do I have your attention? Yeah? There are two successive Pashas that seem to repeat the same thing twice. One says that if you shecht an animal outside the basement, it's just cut us. The other one says the offer of the animal after the basement is cut us. And we have two ways of explaining this repetition. One way is, which it seems to be the more the mechilke, the Rashi brings it, the more halachic way is that the first parsha is talking about what's called shchutechutz, shechting after the base of and the second parsha is called about ha'aloas chutz, offering it up, burning it outside the base of mikdash. And the second reference says no. The first, second psukim, not seven psukim, not talking about shchutechutz. They're talking about bosa taiva, eating meat through shchita. It wasn't a carbon. In the midbar, you are not allowed to eat shchita, meat, bosa taiva to shchita without bringing it to the mikdash. And the last two psukim are talking about shchutechutz. In other words, one opinion says that the first seven psukim of Kapedic Yudzayin are a mitzvah, a deiris, or one of the tayag mitzvahs. And the other Ibn says that these first seven, seven, seven psukim are Rehiro Ashur. That for that generation, they're not, not counted the Minyan Tayyag, the Ramam writes in the Sharashim, which the ladies all know because they're the ones who learn Sefer HaMitzvahs, that any mitzvah which is only for a period of time, like the mitzvah of Miluyim, is not in the Minyan Tayyag. Right? Correct? Now, this is not a class on Karbonus for two reasons. You're not interested, that's the first reason. And the second reason, which may come first, is. I'm not qualified to teach it. We're going to focus on, like I told in the beginning of the class, on the weird Pasuk. Pasuk Zayin. Look inside. Page 2. The Jews should stop offering up their kabanis to goats. <laughs> it's understood that Seirim means shadim, demons, spirits. After whom they are following, Chukas Oilam, a law which is eternal. This should be to them, that they raise them for all future generations. This pasuk Zayin is saying what? That if you will do what I told you not to do, it's the equivalent of being Zayveach Lasirim. If you will do what I wrote in the first six pasukim, it's the equivalent of offering a carbon to a shed to the Seirim. Since we have two different Shatim, 
in those Psukim. So this Pasuk Zayin has to be consistent with both Pshatim. Whether you say that this Pasha is talking about Shchut Echutz, sacrificing a carbon at the base of or it's talking about Shchita of Basataiva Bamidbon, both of these infractions, both of these Avedis are the equivalent of Zevicha Lashedim. Okay? So the topic of tonight, if you want to be blunt about it, we're going to learn about Shaidim. <laughs> if it spooks you out, don't worry, the sun hasn't gone down yet. And if you're really afraid, you can run away. Okay, let's we'll talk about Shaidim. Why? Why not? That's me. <laughs> I'm talking about it because no one else is going to talk about it. Why? Because who cares? The Mephashim have very little to say. I have, a, I have, a, I have two shells, first of Mephashim and Chumish. You know, the old of Kubalim have pages and pages. But the Pashtonim have nothing to say. I mean, the Kliyokan has a few words. The Rechaim is like garnished. What is this business of offering up carbon to Shadim? What does this mean? And how is this notion of offering up a carbon to Shadim consistent with both of these Pshatim? Both with the Pshat that is talking about shechting a carbon onto the base of Miktar, as well as the idea that when the Yidin were in the Midbar, they were not allowed to eat meat altogether through Shechita. Except it was a carbon until they went into Israel. Okay? So let's say we have two questions. A is what is this business of shechting to a shed? And the Lashin Ashad Heim Zainim they're going astray after them. And B, how is this idea consistent with both interpretations of this of the Parsha? Whether it means Shut Khutz or it means Basataiv in the Midbar through Shita. How is that consistent with the idea of offering a garden lasirim asherim zeinim achare? Okay, you got it. Anybody want to say anything? Okay. So here goes. First of all, we're going to read the Gemara, and the Gemara is on page five. On the right, Nuntes. A little bit, I'm going to give myself a license. Uh, what I'm about to tell you, it, it says, uh, it's, it says in Teda. In some place in Devarim, the Rishenim talk about this. Um, and I'm going to read the, into this particular Gemara. This is the Gemara which you have in a few places in Shas. Here, Pasha. And I'm going to give you a very short Hagdama. Okay? Avoid the is Osir. Avoid the is Osir. You're not allowed to worship idols. It's the worst of aid in the Tate. A person who worships idols, he can't trust for anything. Not for kosher, not for nothing. Is idol worship disgusting? The Lashna Tate is Tayeva. Uh, is idol worship disgusting? In other words, when Torah outlaws idol worship, does that mean automatically that every single idol worship is abominable, a form of idol worship is abominable, disgusting, and sick, and fair? How could you stoop so low? So there's the, the Pasuk. You have a Pasuk in the Torah which describes the abomination, the disgusting practices of the nations. And the Rishonim argue about it. The Rishonim argue the following question. According to Taylor, is every ritual 
of idol worship, disgusting, yes or no? Some say yes. The Torah considers idol worship abominable. Whatever idolaters do is automatically a disgusting thing, a putrid thing, a sick thing. Fair. Like they always say, the person makes a cheshven, okay, I'm not going to do I'll do the same service at Abisha. Says Abisha, do me a favor. Don't mix. Anything, if idol worship, you're doing pumfaket. They gathered the blood, we're going to sprinkle the blood. <laughs> they didn't kill certain species of animals, we're not going to kill those species. Atzfaket. But there is another point of view. The other point of view, it says, listen, idol worship is asr, but not all forms of idol worship are disgusting. Baharaya. Baharaya. There are practices in karbanis that are similar to, and let's be careful how we wear this, similar to there's a lot of practices, because the practice by itself is not the isit, it's the kavana that's, that's, that's wrong. If you are worshipping for you the same worship to the it could be So there, again, there's a point of view that says if something is it's automatically disgusting up And another point of view it says, listen, it's Avedizara. But if you would do the same ritual to the Avishter, it would be Avedalavai, it would be Avedalagavai, it would be a service to the Avishter. This is what the Gemara says on the right side of your page. They shouldn't offer up their karbonas lasidim to goats, which means to demons. If a person shechts a carbon to a vaydazara called markulis, how do we know he's chayef? Parenthesis. Afalpish ein avedasim bezvichah. Though Markulis is not served, worshipped through karbanis. Shenem, as the pasuk says, v'leyizvichu eides v'chayim l'seidim. The translation that boys say is very simply this: there were forms of idol worship that had meaning. They were sophisticated, but their idol worship, nevertheless. For example. The first idolaters, what do they worship? They worship Malachim, they worship the angels. They worship the Koyches HaTeva and its most abstract Madregis. It was a meaningful practice. It's Osir, it's the worst Aveda in the Torah, but it's not stupid. It's not childish. It's wrong. Why is it wrong? Because they worshipped Malachim. In what we call in Chesidus, Shnius. They separated the Malach from the Ebishter. And they said, you know, Ebishter is a Malach Kavriel. I'm going to worship Malach Kavriel. You're not supposed to worship Malach Kavriel. You're supposed to worship the Ebishter to whom Malach Kavriel is Kegadus and Yad HaChetzer. Malach Kavriel is a tool in the Ebishter's hand. So the ancient, the first pagans were big Chachamim. And their worship of idols was wrong. But it wasn't stupid and it wasn't disgusting. Because they were worshipping sublime things. As idol worship devolved, it went from being wrong to being pushed, disgusting, perverse, sick. The lower forms of idol worship are not just wrong because they're separating from the Abishtim. They're wrong because they're sick, disgusting practices. And as a consequence, you have two inyonim, two concepts in the Israel of Edezod. Some things are asur. It's not the ritual that's asur. It's the meaning behind it. To worship a malach, even if you're worshiping a malach with a very meaningful avoidum, it's a declaration of ahipacha achtos, and it's asur.
they're no longer offer of Kabbalah to shade him. What this Pasuk is saying is listen, Yidin. I am talking to you about the halachas of Karbanas. Or, I am talking to you about the halachas of Basataiva Ban Midvar. And I'm telling you, it's not allowed. You're not allowed to shech the carbon out of the base of Mikdash. Or, alternatively, you're not allowed to eat Basataiva in the Midvar through Shechita unless you make it into a carbon. Doing so is not only wrong, it's sick. It's like offering up a carbon to a shed. Some Avedizares are meaningful, but Asur, this is perverse, it's sick, it's low. Okay? The Gemara explains this lowliness using the following form. As I told you a minute ago, some idol worships were sophisticated. They had a lot of Chachma behind it, even though they were wrong. Some idol worships were plain, simple, disgusting. Feh. Like Pa'ir. It was an Avedizara. The whole Avedizara was a latrine. It's not just the Pshat that's Asr. It's so undignified. One of the more lowly forms of worship was called Markulis. Markulis means that you made a tower of stones. One stone on top of two stones. And you knocked it down. That was Avedizara. What kind of great feat was accomplished by hitting off a, a, a keystone on top of two support stones? I don't know. But Markulis and Po'ed represent Avedizores that in addition to being also a Pashat reprehensible. They're sick. So the Gemara says, Minayin If you come to a disgusting Avedizore and you shech the behema, now understand, shechting a behema, right? Is honorable. Vaharaya, we shech behemis in the base of Mikdash. But sheikhet behemah le markulis is disgusting. Since Avedazara markulis is a disgusting thing, even when you take a behemah and you shech it, and shechting an animal is a carbon, even if it's wrong, is honorable. But when you shech the behemah to a disgusting Avedazara, the shechit itself becomes disgusting. So Pasuk. Zion is saying they shouldn't offer of carbonus that are not only wrong but they're disgusting remember the Pasuk says so this use of the word it's very uncommon how many times in the Chumash are we describing a shed a demon, a spirit and we're calling the shed a soy, a goat, the image of a goat with the horns, you know, the, the pictures that they make, you know, the devil with big horns. That's the, that's the visual. It symbolizes not just a infanavidazar, it symbolizes infanavidazar, which is push and disgusting. Okay. Now, parenthesis. The other place where such an illusion is mentioned is in this same Pachasachri by the Mkippur service. One of the aspects of the Kimball service, which is considered one of the most controversial things in all of the Teda, is called Azazel. They would throw an animal off a cliff, and the animal was sent to Azazel. And the sending of an animal Azazel is very similar to, according to many of the Mepharshim, this illusion of Se'idim here. And a lot of the Mepharshim connect the two Pashas. That since on Yom Kippur there was Yif and Azazel, so right afterwards they bavoded, but that's not the same thing as Yizvchoid la Se'idim. It's very, very different. 
So if I needed to summarize what I just said for the last, let's say, 5-10 minutes, I would say that the Torah is categorizing Avedah Zorah into two categories. Some of it is already, maybe also, but it's not considered disgusting. You don't say the word znus, Some of it is not only wrong, they're sick. And the example for this is zvicha lasirim. What's so disgusting about shechting a carbon lasirim? So the answer is, as you'll see soon, that Amman speaks about length of Merinavuchim, is because it was a worship that revolved around the blood. They would gather the blood in the belief that where the blood was, the spirits would gather. And they would try to offer incense to the spirits, to the shade, to the demons, in association with the blood. In some cases, they would actually eat the blood. And eating blood is disgusting. So, Zavicha Lasi'idim is not simply the Shechita to a shed, it's a whole culture of a class of Avedezore, which is in addition to being Osir, is Pashat shameful, it's disgusting, it's fair. Okay? Let me elaborate a little bit. Idol worship has one criteria, ultimately. Idol worship is saying that there is somebody else in charge besides for Hashem, and I'm honoring Him. I'm worshiping Him. I'm praying to Him. That's what idol worship means. It's simple enough. Idol worship means there is somebody else worth honoring because there's somebody else with power. Now, there are many levels of idol worship. We have in Chumash Rashi, Avraham Avinu knew Arabs who worshipped the dust on top of their feet. Now, why would anybody worship the dust on top of your feet? It's very simple. If the dust is on top of my foot, that means it's higher than my foot. So I have a reason to worship. Stupid? Absolutely. But people even worshipped People found a million and one reason to worship in the most ridiculous and meaningless and most sick ways, almost anything. On the other extreme, some of them were worshipping the Kachav Mazolus. They were worshipping the, the Galgalim. They were worshipping the, the Nivdolim. They were worshipping Malachim. They were worshipping very, very profound spiritual forces which they identified in nature. They associated with certain stars or with certain constellations. And it was very sophisticated. Like, for example, the 12 signs of the Zodiac, Mazolus, have a basis in Teda. Rambam brings them in Teda. Astrology has a basis in Teda Semis. You have to know how to use astrology. And then, of course, Ein Mazali is so. And Tamim Tiela we learned last summer or two summers ago, the Parsha. In the A. But there were a lot of idolaters who worshipped very lofty things. So you had idolaters who worshipped Malachim. It was the highest Madrig of idolaters. You had idolaters who worshipped the heavens. That means to say the Malachim that were connected to physical bodies, be it the individual stars or groups of stars, constellations, or, or orbits, units of space. Lower than them, you had idolaters who worshipped shadim, spirits, demons. Some worshipped the demons of fire, some worshipped demons of water, some were the demons of air, and some worshipped demons of earth. And then you had idolaters who worshipped their king. <laughs> so there's a lot of madregas in Avedazara. The constant is that you are creating the vision of the Abishas world, which is the greatest sin, and it's a skill. The worst Aveda in the world. The Gog of Tayyip. 
but some of those practices were wrong and meaningful, and some of those practices are disgusting. Our Pasha is saying that the practices of idolatry that involved the manipulation of blood was not only wrong, it's disgusting. And that's how you read this Pasuk. The connotation of the word Nus is not that it's wrong, it's even for an idolater. These are the sick version. That's how this Pasuk is read. And this Pasuk is consistent with both interpretations of the Pasha, whether it's an allusion to Shkutechutz, Shechting a carbon which belongs in the base of Mikdash, outside the base of Mikdash, or it's an allusion to Shechitas Basataiva Bamid. Look at the left side of your page now. Valayis is a medrash, which the Rambam basically quotes almost word for word. Valayis bechuayd is evchayim masiira. Zog the medrash that Pinchas b'shem Rablevi Omar b'tanoim said, Moshele ben Melech. There was a prince. Shegas libe Allah. He was very, very coarse. Very fargrept, very indulgent in grubkeit. And he had gotten into the habit of eating not healthy meat, sick food, the kind of food that a normal person wouldn't eat. The Omar Amelech says the king is there, I want him to eat breakfast, lunch, and supper with me. And by forcing this prince to eat everything he ate, with the king, he automatically refined him. He dissociated him from his old habit of eating in a, in a sick way because he was forced to behave appropriately because he was sitting with the melon. And they said, I'm a marshal. Zokmen kach, what is the nimshul? Jews were lahut. Lahut means chasing after it with desperation. The idolatry of Mitzrayim. And as a lot of the Mephoshim say and explain, Avedezada devolved. Avedezada got worse and worse over time, right? We believe that the first people worshipped one God. And from one God, they fell into idol worship. Right? That's our position. That's Tatus Emmis. But they fell slowly. The first idolaters were very sophisticated. They understood the Lakod, the Lakaya, and so on. The later idolaters became worse and worse and worse. And some of the Mephoshim said that in Mitzrayim at that time, a newer sicker, more perverse, more lowly form of idol worship was introduced which was idol worship that revolves around the blood and as the worship of the demons. So it wasn't stand, it was a new Avedizad, it was a brand new lower, more tangible, more grub, more crude form of worship. And consequently Yisrael Luhut HaMachra Avedizad B'Mitzrayim V'hayimavim Karbanehe Seihem Karbanehem Masirim They brought Karbanas to goats they mean they brought Karbanas to Shadim if you bring a carpet to a malach, it's also an aveda. But it's not disgusting. You bring a carpet to a shed by digging a groove in the ground and filling it with blood and sitting over it and imagining that he's feeding on this blood and then you drinking it is sick. And goats here means spirits, shadim. Amara Kadish Baruch says the Abish the Yiyu Makrivim Lafani Bakal Ace Kabinisayam. 
you should bring the Kabbalah to me. But I am made the Yunifrashim, have a desire of any time, they'll automatically be separate from the desire and they're going to be saved. So the push of the Pshat in this Medrash, this is a universal law. Throughout history, Hashem does not allow Yidin to bring Karbonus out of the base Amitash so that they shouldn't fall into this abomination. But the Rambam says no. This Medrash is talking about that generation. For those 40 years, they had just left Egypt. They had just departed from the pagan ways of their ancestors. And they were lahut. They were so caught up in the worship of the spirits with these blood that they couldn't stop themselves. So the Abish says, you want to eat meat? Bring a carbon. You are not allowed to shecht an animal in the midbar in your own tent because the Abish wanted to take away from Yidin the possibility of being falling into this abomination. So he said, in the midbar you're not allowed to eat basatai at all. You can't shecht and eat meat. He was afraid they would save the blood. So this message also can be read as a broad or a narrow illusion. Take a look at the Rambam quickly. The Rambam is on page 7. Uh, where I made those seven arrows, yeah? <laughs> Someone was excited, huh? Yeah? Okay. The Jewish people were totally caught up in this rebellious way. And they ran after what was familiar and they were raised with. Uh, which had to do with the spirits. By eating around the blood as the tradition was. Tziva Yisal, the Ebishter commanded, Shalei Yeichal Basatev of a Midbar, Klau. Then the Midbar, you're not allowed to shecht and eat meat, period, except if it's a carbon. Because what do you do with the blood of a carbon? You throw it away. What is the symbolism of sprinkling the blood on the Zbech, according to the Rambam? The opposite of gathering it. You spr- you're throwing it away. You shafech. They used to gather the blood in a, cl- in a crevice, in a crack. And when you take blood from an animal, you throw it away. The opposite of a vedizor. Anybody wants to eat meat, but it has to be a karm. Well, the explanation is, the reason is this, to disperse, to scatter, to, to waste the blood of them. Rather than collecting and collecting around it. Va'amar, as the Pasuk says in our Pasuk, they shouldn't offer up to the demons. So this Rambam made in the is consistent with the second interpretation of the Pesukim, which is the interpretation of the Gemara and Chulim, as opposed to the Mechilta. And the issue was, since at that particular time, Yidin was so caught up in this new and sick, Avadizadah, the Abish said, eh, eh, eh. It's not like it's less Osur than a sophisticated Avadizara, but it's a different thing. The Tate is saying it's Osur, and on top of being Osur, it's fair. Fair. That's enough. Okay? So you have what we did so far was we overviewed the Pasha. And we focused in on the Pasuk, which is the topic of tonight's class. What is this business about offering up karbanas to goats, to, to demons, to Seirim? And the Vat, of course, here is that it's not only Asur, it's Znus. It's disgusting.
Now let's go back to the Mefarsh. Okay, if you want to read Ebenezer, the Ebenezer is on page 2 and 3, please. On the left side. Second section. Says the Ebenezer, Las Edom, you see the place? To the goats. Says he, Heim Hashedim. This means the spirits. The Nikrukain, why are goats, ghosts, called spirits? It causes the hair of a person who sees them to stand up. In other words, it frightens the daylights out of you. <laughs> so it means to this very, very intimidating and frightening thing. What are shadim? What are demons? Apitaida demons exist. Soon you're going to learn a whole arichas, what our shed is. It's a whole long with a whole chazal. Demons are creations of the Ebishter. If you ever learned Rashi and paid attention, you know that Noyach took a male and a female shed into the table. Because if we hadn't taken them into the table, they would have all drowned. They would have died. And after the marble, just like all the other animals came out, the shadim also came out and they were part of it, other bodies. They multiplied, they had children. So Shadim are creations of God, which are invisible, we cannot see them, yet they're considered real and even physical. Here he brings, that Amban brings, that they're created from two elements, Esh and Ruach. The Rikanti, which is in the stack, but I'm not going to learn it with you, says, he brings Rayas, that they have no goof whatsoever. And he, he resolves, it's not a stira and so on. In some places it says that a shed is made of one element. There's four types of shedim. There's shedia ish, shedia ruach, shedia mam, shedia of. Everything we could see is called a murkav. It's made up of all four elements. Ish, ruach, mam, of. A shade is a physical thing made up of one element. But for something to be available to the five senses, to see it, to hear it, smell it, taste it, or touch it, it must be murkav of Dalad Yashedis. So a shed is a physical thing which is not physical enough for you and I to be able to see. And it's around. And you read in the Gemara, Mesech the Pshachim, and Mesech the Gitten. Whole sugis, pages and pages, folio after folio, about Shadim, and how to deal with them. Maybe it's the Gemara, Mesech the Brachas. Because they have a relationship with us. They're, they're semi-physical. And they frighten the daylights out of us. <laughs> and that's why they're called Seirim. The, 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 imagine a, a ghostly, a, an intimidating, a frightening, otherworldly visual. That's a shed. So the Ebenezer says the reason shade them, a cold to eat them, is because they're frightening. They make your hair stand up straight. Okay? Vahakarev, continues Ebenezer. It's also reasonable to say, Bavur who sees Shadim? Meshagoyim. <laughs> Whether they see them or imagine they're seeing them, but they're seeing them. And what they see looks like a goat. Big horns and a long beard. It's frightening. So the allusion to Shadim as Seidim either means because it makes your hair stand up straight or because the, somehow the likeness of a shed had this kind of a visual. But be that as it may, Seidim doesn't mean goats. It doesn't mean you're worshipping goats. It means you're worshipping Shadim, which is Aveda Zara. And in addition to being Aveda Zara, it's also called Znus. It's called sick, fit, lowly. 
The Lash and the Pasak you won't anymore worship to the Shi'idim. Indicate that in Egypt, Yidin and Goyim Mahavu were involved in this idol worship, and like I told you, some of the Mephashim say it was brand new. In other words, Avaidazara kept on getting more and more perverse. This was a new step of descent into lowliness to, to do a worship that involved the gathering and eating of blood. So the Yidin were lahut, they were all caught up in it. Nebish to Asarit. Asherim Zainim, like the Ebenezer, they can call me, Shemavake Shaitim, anybody who seeks out the Shaitim. Umaimim Behem and believes in them, who Zoyna Mitachas Alakov is going astray from his God. Shayachshe, because he thinks, Kiyash Mishayetim, that somebody can do good or bad to him. So the Ebenezer is disagreeing with what I told you. The Ebenezer is saying that the word Zoynim doesn't mean a lowly Avedezar, it means any Avedezar. Any Avedezar is considered Znus because you're supposed to worship only one God. But like I told you, some of the Mephashim explained it as I explained it to you based on that Gemara, which you have in Mesech Sanhedrin, and Mesech Avedezar, and Mesech Dezvachim, that Zeveyach Charbon Lemarkulis, which is not just an Avedezar, it's considered the Shalekedarka, Shalekedarka Avedezar, and it's considered an Avedezar of Busha, a lowly Avedezar, which is the basis for what I told you earlier in this class. Okay. Now, the Ramban is going to take some time. The Ramban is at the very bottom of the page to the right. Yes, Leah, what do you want to say? The uh, goats are kosher animals, they're not just kosher. Right. Animal, so I don't understand why. Okay. The last, page two, the Ramban is near the bottom on the right. The last two words. Vahakarev, it's my opinion. No, 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 I'm sorry. Forget that. Page three. Page three. The Yikru Shadim. Why are spirits called spirits? Do you see what I'm reading? On the right side, six lines into the Ramban. They're called Shadim because they live in places that are uh, forsaken, that are desolate like a desert. So the word shade is the word Shadud, to be cast out, to be in a place of, of alienation where nobody else is around. They live in extremes. Either the far north, which is very cold, or the far south, which is very, very hot. And the Ramban gives you an expose on Shadim, and everybody quotes the Ramban. The Rikanti quotes the Ramban word for word. The Tzayuni quotes the Ramban word for word. The Rabbeinu Bechaya quotes the Ramban word for word. The Ramban elaborates on the Inyan Hashedim. And all those Rishoyim, the Rashachas, the Chochmah, Zakabola, just copy him word for word. Some add a little nuance, but essentially they're quoting the Ramban. When the Abish created the world at the outset, in creating the bodies of man, and all living physical beings, and plants, and minerals, metals, he made them from four elements, and the four elements were woven together, what we call were grafted together with a special divine power. Which by grafting the four elements together, it produces a body that is gas, that is coarse, that is murgish, that is felt. To all five senses, that means seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and touching. 
because it's so dense and it's so crude. Physical things that are made up of all five, all four elements, you can touch and you can smell, you can taste and you can see and you can hear. To give you an example of something which is made up of three, it says in Chesidus and Kabbalah that coil, voice, is only Eish Ruch Maim, has no offer. So Api Allah, Kale has no mamoshes. And um, you cannot see it, you cannot touch it, you cannot smell it, you cannot taste it, you can only hear it. The reason it's not available to many of the senses is because it's not sufficiently, what are his words? Oven gas. Continues the Ramban, however, and he adds, There were other things that the Abishta made out of two elements, from fire and wind alone. It also created the physical body, however, that none of the senses can relate to those physical creations. Just that we can't relate to a soul. Even the soul of an animal, right? An animal soul. It's like it's one animal. Can't see it. Even though it's a lowly thing, it's not a godly soul, but it's not physically sufficiently physical to be able to be identified. The same is true. Shade him, I'll create from H and And I mentioned to you before that Ikanti brings a day from there that they have no goof whatsoever. On the other hand, I saw in some other places in the Shadim that Shadim are made up of only one element, and there's different types of Shadim. Shade Amayim, Shade A, Shade Ruch, and Shade Af. What is the purpose of Okay, It's a long story. It's a long story. Some will say Pashto was a mistake. See, Kumi Shabbos. In the point is that in the Abish's world there's a lot more complexity than we know. And there's a lot more life than we know. And higher forms of life are actually less known. A malach is also a living thing. A malach is a neshama to a galgal, to an orbit, or to a star, or to a constellation. But malachim are even edler than shadim. Shadim have a shachas where they say this. And the malachim have a shachas with the even edler, the chaymer achamishi. So there's, there's, there's different ways of looking at them, both positive and negative and so on. This body is considered physical but sufficiently spiritual that it is yotus. It could fly. Because of its, its fineness and its lightness in fire and in air. And just like we know at least according to Rabshad Yegon, that Amman disagrees with this, that anything which is made up of parts has to eventually fall apart. If you glue together pieces, they will come apart. Chassidus brings from Rabshad Yegon, that Amman disagrees. Anything which was created has different pieces that came together to make it be, and it will come apart, it will deteriorate, that's why everything dies. Says he, It's true also of Shadim. Since they are Murkav, they're complex, they're made from two elements. 
Shaden live and Shaden die. Because they have a body and they have a complicated body. Less complex, less lowly than ours, but complicated nevertheless. And therefore Shaden can fly and Shaden live and Shaden die. This is why our Chachamim tell us, and he brings the Gevara Masechta Chagiga. There are six qualities we know about Shaden. In three ways they're like angels. In three ways they're like people. They're like angels in the following three ways. They have wings. Instead of hand or in addition to hand. They could fly. They could move through air like malachim. Which means they're not fixed on one madreg. They can go from level to level. They know the future. They have in the Gemara in different places in Shas. People went to cemeteries and there were uh, spirits there who were saying, what's going to happen tomorrow? Spirits, not, not neshamis. Shadim. Um, but they only knew the short-term future and it was also inexact. They didn't know a lot. They knew a little bit. They know what's going to happen. They can hear what the future is going to be because they're a little bit closer than us to the Malachim. And because they're a little closer to the Malachim, they hear from the Malachim what's going on. You have in this stack, on pages 8, 9, and 10, the Tziyuni. And on the right side of the page, he brings a whole list of Madregis. There's something called Negide Hateli. And then you have Galgale Hashamayim. And then you have the Sarim, which are Nefesh HaGalgalim. And the very bottom of the heap is Shadim. There's a whole bunch of levels of spiritual things that exist in the physical space of the universe that are aware. Shadim are the bottom of the heap. And because Shadim are the bottom of the pile, they know Asides, they know the future a, a little bit. Shleishik Ibn Yadim, they have three faculties in common with people. Number one, Eichlan Vishayzen. They eat and drink like people. Number two, part of it other than they multiply. They have children, they have males and females. They die like people die. The reason they die is because their hakava falls apart. Because since they're complex, they're made up of parts, like a human body, as the body weakens, it falls to pieces, it deteriorates, the neshama has to leave. This is the reason why they die like all other things that are complex. One of the Mephoshim <laughs> says something very... Okay, that's a lesson. There's some really, really wacky stuff here. You have in the Tzayuni, he brings about Ashmedai and so on. They, they have rules, the Shadim. They have rules. But there's one set of rules of how they treat one another and a completely different set of rules of how they treat human beings. And they look at us almost like we look at animals. <laughs> so, to their own, there's all kinds of... There's decorum, there's halachas, you know. And to human beings, they're to be exploited. The reason they could fly is because they're very light, like birds. Okay, ah... Because they're very light. Since they are predominantly fire and wind, the other elements are very diminished. So if a bird, which whose offer and mayim are less, the Asian Ruach, could fly, 
Shaitan Bakhlaw don't have Mayim enough for the kid for sure fly. The Inyan or Achila turn the page, the concept page four now of them eating is This means to say they eat smoke and they eat steam. That's what it means. Now what this means in metaphysics, what it means in Ruchnius is a great curiosity, it's a great mystery. But they can't eat actual physical food, it's too grub. But vapor, steam, mist, <laughs> this is their nourishment. Like fire will consume uh, water after it vaporizes. Okay. That's why the offerings that were brought to the Shadim was always about the steam, about the incense, about the vapors, because this is their food. Five lines from the top. The Indian Masha Omru Shaman Masha Osad Lias, the notion that in all the future says that Amban Kibiti Sasan Bavili Ashamayam, they can fly up to the heights of heaven. Yakablo Asides me sorry Hamanzoles a Shaykhan Biavit. In the atmosphere, high high up in the sky, you have finer and finer creations. According to Taylor, the earth is the center and the bottom of the universe. The universe is round. The lowest point of the universe is in the middle, not the earth. So the further away you go towards the edges of the universe, the higher it is, spiritually speaking. And therefore there's higher madegas of malachim. And these shadim are able to fly so they can ascend to higher levels and hear what the malachim hear. The point really is that the Abishta operates through a domino system. The ashgach of the Abishta goes through steps. The Abishta decides what's going to happen on earth, yeah? And then it goes through one malach, and a second malach, and a third malach, and a fourth madrega, and until it comes down to the karches atav, and it manifests in the physical world. The shaydim could fly, so they can get a, get the information ahead of time. They, they can go to where the hashpa has already reached, but hasn't yet descended to us. So they can know a little bit ahead of time what's going to happen. So that's what the Gemara tells the story about this guy, he wanted to harvest. He wanted to harvest. He went one time to the Besachayim, and he heard the shaydim in a conversation, and he heard what's going to be that season with the crops. So he did different than everybody. He made a lot of money. The following year again, he did different. And his wife became very suspicious. How do you have information nobody else had to? It was a big yente. <laughs> and then the shadim said to one another, the next time he visited, they say that the people are listening to our conversations. <laughs> anyway, there's a in the Gemara. I forgot the details, but there's such a story in the Gemara. It's the Pshat. They see the Hashpa as it's going down through Ishtashalus in earlier stages, which apparently has to do with Zman as well. So it's not the Pshat that they know the future. They see the future as it's unfolding before it's unfolded all the way down to us. And in this respect, they know the future. There's a whole concept of even birds. is the concept of birds knowing the future. So we have a shi'ir about shayidim. The Tata describes some Aveda Zara as a Zivicha Yizvukola Shaidim Layalaka La Sidim. And according to this Gemara that we had before, I think it's a Masechta Khulun, this is not only considered wrong, it's considered disgusting. Now let's read a couple of more things. I'm not gonna keep you here for very long. So what we'll do is like this. I put the Tiyuni here just to tease you. <laughs> and the Rikanti. I didn't print the whole Rikanti because the first page of the Rikanti is pushed the verbatim quote from the Ramban. I want you to go to page twelve, I want to show you the Alsha. And then there's a shtikel word from the Hassam Savior. We have two successive patches. Two 
parshas one after another that God the both starts with the words ish ish. Remember? In Pasuk Gimel it says ish ish. And in Pasuk Ches it says ish ish. That both seem to be saying the same thing two times. And we have two ways of explaining that they aren't. Number one, that the first Pash is talking about Shchut Eichutz. And the second Pash is talking about Oilas Chutz. And number two, the first Pash is talking about, like the Rambam said, Psar Taiva, Yenalala Shech Midbar, which is a Hayra Shah, which is not a mitzvah. And the second Pash is talking about Shchut Eichutz. The Al-Sheikh, Teras Meisha, offers a different Pshat. What the Al-Sheikh is saying is that these two Pashas are both talking about the same thing. And it's Dafke being said twice. Why is it being said twice? Because Al-Sheikh holds that the Teda wants to say Karbonis two times so that you should know number one. There's a wrong way to bring Karbonis, but there is a right way that you have to bring Karbonis. There are those people who hold, namely the Rambam, in quotes, the only, it's a very uncomfortable word. I, I have a sheet on the internet on Karbonus, in Pasha Vayikra, you can listen. The only reason for Karbonus is because since Jews had been involved in pagan practices before, when the Abishta created his nation, he wanted to make the transition to the worship of one God easier so he permitted them in quotes end quote to offer off Karbonus the Rambam holds that the whole lineage of Karbonus is an answer to idol worship and the Ramban climbs the walls I mean there are a few cases where the Ramban gets angrier at the Rambam than in this case how could you say that Karbonus is an answer to idol worship other magician brought Karbonus there was no pagans and on and on it goes but the Rambam writes, and I gave a whole shit on it, I don't want to repeat what I said, you can get the tape. That Karbonis was an answer to Avedazara. Since Jews were stuck in idol worship, to help rehabilitate them, the Abisha said, this I'm not going to allow you, but this I'll permit. So the Al-Sheikh says, the Abisha tells us the same thing two times. To teach us, number one, don't use Karbonis like the pagans did. But number two, when a Yid brings a carbon in the base on Mikdash, it's not only to get away from paganism, it's a correct worship to the Yibishtah. In other words, it's not only a negative, it's a positive as well. Look at the second paragraph. The reason I just mentioned on the left side at the top is in a Sefer of Echad Magdalem. You know who Echad Magdalem is? It's not Echad, it's Ho Echad Hamyuchad. It's Mareinu Rabbeinu Rabbeinu Meshab Maimen. In the Sefer Meir HaNevuchim. Who says that the reason for Karbonis is to go away from idol worship. Vidateinu, who says the Al-Sheikh, I disagree with the Rambam. Shleinichtav Shom, that when the Rambam wrote it, it was written Rak L'Shachech Das HaMoyim. To soften the opinions of the masses. I don't believe for a minute, says the Al-Sheikh, that the Rambam actually believed it. Someone is going to say, what do you mean, Karbanas are not to go away from idol worship? It says in this passage, the Rambam has a rayat mepasek mefurish. 
You have to bring a carbon to the Eivishter and no longer to avoid the Zara, which is an explicit raya to the Ramam's position that Karbanis is lahaiti me avoid the Zara. Shemashetiva yizbarach lasseis chayleim shlamim lavai to take chayl and make it kedesh ulasiram by yidchol hashedim. Skip four lines. Go to my vertical line. Al kain leman laimudumikan. Since the Abisha does not want us to make this mistake and to come away thinking that the only reason for Karbanis is to rehabilitate ancient pagans. Hashem tells I'm going to say the exact same halacha a second time. The first time I told you that halacha, it was to take you away from Avedazara. I'm repeating it again so you should know to look at a carbon as going away from Avedazara. It's serving a Kaddish Baruch do not allow those listening to me to say in error. Do not think that my only objection is the worship of idols. I tell you that if you take a carbon lashem and shecht it outside the base of Mikdash, Yechayev Kodesh. If the issue is not to worship idols and to worship God, what difference if you worship God in this building or in that building? Is a simen in that carbonus are not only going away from a negative, there's a positive. So according to the al the Tater repeats the same Pasha twice. The first time is, is as the Rambam says, that people should not continue the pagan worships, especially as the Gemara said, the lowly pagan worships, which has to do with Dam and other abominations. They should be above it and bring their worship to sacrifice only to one God. And then I want you to know, Karbonas are sacred, they're holy. They're much, much more than going away from Avedizod. This is the al and on page 13, you have a Hassam Sefer, who, who says more or less what I was telling you, that, let's read it inside. Second line. People who worship angels and stars, time him, the reason is, it's wrong, but it's meaningful. What are you worshiping? Look at second line from the bottom. The Chassam Sefer is saying that the Tate is not stam describing an objection to Avedah Zoda. He's describing an objection to Avedah Zoda not only on the grounds that it's Hepecha Achtos, but it's Hepecha Adushis. Go ahead. Okay, Lord Shav. There's one problem with this class. It's a nice shot class. But what are you walking away with? Okay, I was looking for an opportunity to teach you about Shadim. <laughs> a lot of people ran out before the sun went down. But okay, so he had a class. So, so what? Okay. Different kinds of idol worship. The Zoyhar adds a kvetch to this whole story which adds another quality to the Gansamais. The Zayar also, the Zayar I think is on page 5 or 6, page 6. This Zayar 
is quite long, and I did myself and my copy machine and my paper supply a favor. I only copied one page, but this Zoya goes on for several pages. But the relevant piece begins, uh, let's say, four lines from the top where I made my first arrow, and it goes to the very bottom of the page. You'll see the last three lines of this page are actually the next page. I cut and pasted, I wanted the Pashat consolidate. And he says more or less the same thing that we have said uh, until now. He, he explains that um, um, he's talking about tshuva. The pasha before was talking about the the the, the, the zayir began with the shiramas mimamakim. The Ebishter was consulting: should he make people or should he not make people? And the Tata said he shouldn't make people. And Chuva said he should make people. And of course, one of the forms of Chuva is Karbanas. So he starts talking about the Yina Karbanas. It's, it's Pash Zachribois. It's our Pash. Once he's talking about Karbanas, a carbon you bring to the Yabishter. And he immediately mentions the idea of Zela Yumanzeh. That just like you have Karbanas to Keiches of Kedusha to the Yabishter, you also have Keiches of Yumanzeh. And he brings that there's Eser, in effect, Eser Kiss in the Mzabu. There's ten types of, of Shadim. He says the lowest Madreg of Shadim near the bottom of the page is, is called Deir Shalamesi. Yeah, he lists, he lists ten categories of Shadim. I didn't count ten, I counted only eight. But I reckon uh, ten kinds of Eser he lists ten types of keches uh, of kishif, which are associated with shadim. Uh, okay, but then he mentions a very interesting thing. Tana Yitzchak, where I made my arrow. Tana Tachazi, come and see. Yitzchak Maxiv Bay. What does it say about Yitzchak? And the following, by the way, is going to offer another insight into why Shadim are called goats. Yankev is dressed in what? In the hair of goats. And he approaches Yitzchak, and Yitzchak touches him, and he sees that he's hearing. Omar this one is lacking. Talo, the Shmaya, the Nafagalara, the dew of heaven which has to descend to the earth. He touches Yankel Avinu and he feels that he's hairy. And the allusion to Shadim as Seidim, according to the Zayat, is because of the hair, the wool on the backs of Shadim. And hair shows on Klippe. Why does hair show on Klippe? Because here is a very, very small, thin little tube. Hairs are hollow. And the symptom of hair is so much that Chlipe can draw chayis from here. Just to connect it to last week's Pasha class, if you were here, for something to be tzadas, according to Kabbalah, there's several steps. The first step is the chokhmah goes away. The second step is that the blood goes away, it turns white, which means that not only there's no chokhmah, there's no bina. And then the third step is that it grows white hair. In Samach Tzedek, in, in Mitzvah's Mitzayda, uh, he explains it. What's the white hair? The white hair is the way Klippe draws from Kedush. So someone is lacking Chochmah, they're not yet tummy. If someone is lacking Bina, they're not yet tummy. If after there's no Chochmah, there's no Bina, the hair turns white, then it's tummy, because you're giving highest to Klippe. 
So here is a symbolism of, of Chayis, which is so mitzumtum, which is going away to Klippa. And that's why Shadim are called Tzidim. Shadim are called Tzidim, it's about the hair on the backs of the goats, on the bodies of the goats. The idea that the Chayis are so mitzumtum, that it's Nimshach Lamakam Sheinerai, and Yankav Avinu is hairy. Now, of course, you know and I know that it wasn't Yankov's hair. <laughs> it was Esau's hair, yeah? Right? Esau was Yankov was Ishcholok. Yankov didn't have a lot of hair. And Fakat, he had Nisanis. Yankov was Kedusha. Kedusha is like giving Chayas to Klip. So Yitzchak Avinu is giving Yankov Avinu a bracha. Which is going to envelop, which is going to embrace, which is going to protect, which is going to raise up even the Madrega of here, which Yankov doesn't really have. And this is what the Zayar is saying. He gives him a bracha, which comes from such a high place, and it comes from such a high place, so it can descend to such a low level that even from the Shaitis, from the Seidim, from the hair of Yankov Avinu, there should not be a Yeniki Sachitzeid. Right? I, I looked up the translation of the word. He is not lacking only the dew of heaven, the Nogad al Arab, which descends to the earth. He includes also the fat of the land and all of his blessings. My time begin the Yitzchak sees that Yankov Avinu has hair. In other words, Yankov Avinu has a shaykhaz to the lowest madregas of Gashmias, from which Who knows? Maybe the translation of the word Seidim shouldn't be goats. It shouldn't be demons. It should be hair. Perhaps. Omar Lemevado to make this this too should become the shem and the fat, the good of the land, not the filth, not the clip of the land. The because the only reason it could be filth is because it has to do with the land. But the katala when the dew of heaven, together with the migoda de ara, the migodim, the pleasantries of the earth, mischabron, join is aber the filth will go away. Not that Yankov is going to lose his hair, but that even the hair of Yankov Avinu should be kedesh lahavaya, gadol yeh, like by another, another wears hair. But the hair of another is considered Kedesh HaKadoshim, it's holy. So the Zayhar adds a new dimension to this shtikl and gives us an upside, a positive side. There's a phenomenon called Tzidim, which we translated based on the Gemara as being disgusting, based on all the Mephashim as being shaded. And based on the Zayhar means the place where Klippa meets Kedush. But the Zayar says, Yitzchak is giving Yankov a bracha, which if you think about it, Yankov doesn't even need. Because the hair is not his, it's a goat's. <laughs> but in the bracha that he gave, he gave him a kayach. Not to push away the shadim. Not, not to worship the shadim. But to bring the shadim into Kedusha, that even that Madrega, which is called Tzidim, should become Mishmane Yaretz and not Zuma the Yaretz.
Pashtais. So it starts out as an Inyan from Avedezara, as an Inyan of disgust, as an Inyan of Yenikas Achitainim. And then we find out that in the Baruch that Yitzchak gave Yankar Lavinu, he gave a Koyach that this too should be raised up to the Yabishtim. What is the key? The key is Echad. Chas Vesholem, not to make divisions. Ultimately, the lowest also gets raised up, that even into the very lowest and the very, very bottom, Okay.